Welcome back. It is now 9 a.m. on the nose on this Wednesday, the 31st of March. And welcome to Community Pulse, your locally produced program on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. As a reminder of our production schedule, you can catch Community Pulse live Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. The episodes are then uploaded to our website, archived along with all of our programs here on KOPN. You can find them on kopn.org. Later in the day, we post to Facebook along with links, germane links to the day's discussion, and you can find the entire catalog of Community Pulse now entering its 14th month uh, at, uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So today on the program, for the first time in quite some time, it is my pleasure to personally welcome Ginny Chadwick, the host, one of the hosts of Community Pulse, public health advocate. And today she will be interviewing Dr. Angie Hull, who is a professor of public policy and also nonprofit studies at the University of Missouri. Ladies, good morning to you both. How are you? Good. Vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. And that is a new story right there in and of itself. So, Dr. Huell, thank you so much for coming on with uh, me today. As I was watching your post and getting to see your story, I was super excited. It's one that we want to share. So starting with um, Matthew Holloway's data, and big shout out to Matthew Holloway. He was nominated and just received a national award. He um, received the Professionals Cohort Award for the Data um, Heroes Award. That is a a national award. Many, many folks were nominated in um, our own um, state. Matthew Holloway, who has been a volunteer and dedicated time to collecting data across the state. So he is reporting that there was 717 new cases in the state of Missouri identified yesterday in 40 jurisdictions and 31 deaths. And as our listeners recall, you know, at the peak of this pandemic, we were seeing over 100 deaths per day in the state of Missouri. While we are eager and have optimism that this pandemic is coming closer to an end. Um, we do know that we are seeing a peak right now. Like it's, we're going back up again um, slightly, but um, the numbers are looking about the same as they did in July. Um, so not near as bad as in January, but we are still seeing um, dozens of Missourians die each day from COVID-19. And um, the positive that we have to look forward to is that the vaccine is becoming even more readily available across the state. Um, We'll talk about tiers here in just a second. Um, Dr. Huell, can you give our listeners a picture of um, your qualifications for the vaccine um, as we start to talk about state priority phases and how one knows what phase they're in, um, and and then we'll talk about where to get the vaccine. Yes. Okay. So um, I am in. Okay. So I, I'll admit I mix up the phrases tier and phase. Okay. So I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm higher ed. So which am I? Am I a tier or in a phase? <laughs> See, and tier. you are I'm not something uncommon. too. <laughs> I'm something too. I'm behind all right. the one. Okay. <laughs> you are phase. And that's where it becomes really complicated in that the state lumped a bunch of people in phase one, and they realized very quickly that there was no way to organize um, efficiently and that there was definitely more priority in certain people in phase who they lumped in phase one than um, 
than they should have. And so then they had to go to breaking these down, and they had tier phase 1A, and then phase 1B, and then the tiers 1, 2, and 3, right? So you've got all these letters and numbers that many people often say, okay, I'm in tier 2, when they are in phase 2. And so for people to be able to identify what phase tier they're in has become quite complex, as you're pointing out. Yes, exactly. And so, I mean, in some states, higher ed was considered um, phase one, but not mm-hmm. in Missouri. And so uh, I found out, let's see, they, they had changed kind of the dates. Well, they didn't change the dates. They, there was finally a date given. So we all knew that it was going to happen after the K-12ers, and it was going to be about, I mean, I think 45 days or something. It was certainly much less than that. So um, it opened for phase two uh, for us to be vaccinated on, I believe, Monday, March 29th. Is that right? Is that was the That's 29th correct. or 30th? Yeah. 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 And so, right. And so I was, I was ready. It's, it's spring break, as most of you know, um, here at the University of Missouri, where I teach. And so I had a chance to have some time off. Really, what I mean by time off is no meetings, because I'll be doing plenty of work. <laughs> Um, but, but it was a nice opportunity to, to, you know, I knew, I knew that we needed to travel based on some things that Jenny had shared with me in the work that she has done for the community, uh, with other volunteers to get people, uh, vaccinated here in the community. Yeah. And so with the new phase opening up on Monday, um, and, you know, we, I help volunteer with the Missouri COVID-19 Vaccine Information Facebook group. I think we have the anticipation that when the new phase opened, um, there would be a huge run on vaccines. And there is definitely an increase. Um, and always in the urban areas, there is a shortage of accessibility. Um, but we are seeing right now that phase to opened, and that includes all commercial um, facility sectors. And when I say these things, many people say, what does it mean? And oftentimes I say, your guess is almost as good as mine. Um, so financial services, uh, the state does have a definition page when you click on it. And, and I know that we have posted this link to the COVID um, vaccine.mo.gov um, phases before, but just in case you're looking for it, we'll make sure to put it on your social media again. So libraries, chemical sector, um, construction sector, so anybody with any type of building repair or industrial facility repair now qualify, critical structure sector, um, critical manufacturing, defense, um, food and agriculture, in any remaining. So before, and this is where it gets really tricky, um, phase one, um, B, tier three, had all farm agriculture workers and all grocery store workers. But in this new phase that opened Monday, we now have all restaurant workers. Why they split them up is my guess. Your guess is as good as mine, um, but they did. All government, all higher education, all disproportionately affected populations, and all homeless. And I will say why they waited to um, include disproportionately affected populations and homeless is also beyond me. So these are policy decisions, um, Dr. Kuehl. I am interested from a policy perspective. Have you looked at what other states are doing and how they prioritize and the thoughts about how policy impacts health? 
Yeah, I, just a tiny little bit, in part because I used to uh, lobby for the K-12 Teacher Association, MSTA, in Jeff City. And I, you know, that's my area is education policy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, uh, frankly, am still friends with people from MSTA. And so, and, and that's both social media and, you know, one-on-one. And so there had been quite a bit of frustration by the K-12 teachers in Missouri that they were not put higher. So Kentucky had their K-12 teachers vaccinated within, I think, I, I mean, it was less than a month of the vaccine being available. It was it was like once it opened to them, it was very, a very short time. Mm-hmm. Whereas there were there was still no clarity for the K twelve teachers here about whether like when they, it was even going to be open to them, and so yeah, there are you know the other thing that I noticed uh, again is again friends social media you know the beautiful thing about being a professor is I've got friends and colleagues across the country and the world, and Michigan for example lumped um, higher ed and K twelve together they just called it the education sector. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm fortunate to know um, the head of I think it's I don't remember the actual name I'll admit it's like the Missouri Vaccine Council or something like that, and so I asked her early on you know what it looked like she said there was conversation about putting higher ed in that higher tier but it didn't happen and and I didn't press her for more information because you know it's not a time where we need to have that conversation she's in the thick of making sure that information is getting out to people who are eligible and that kind of thing so i you know there are a lot of policy conversations i'd like to have following this while people are when people are done doing the jobs that they need to get done um and there are a lot of them because i had an interesting conversation with the nurse down in pemiscott county uh health office uh, regarding policy as well and really it was more her her perspective from an implementer um so yeah there are lots of different ways of doing things and states have um the opportunity and the responsibility to make those decisions Interestingly, we know, too, that counties and various places are making decisions on the ground. And so my otherwise healthy husband has um, genetic hypertension. So his lifestyle is, you know, it runs like 30 miles a week and that sort of thing. Um, the question on the first uh, phase, <laughs> phase, not mm-hmm. here, phase, <laughs> was under heart problems. So he has hypertension and he's medicated and all that good stuff. So he's going, he's looking for definitions and he can't find one. Well, he finds one in the state and it doesn't look like they list hypertension. But then he found one, I think, I think it was Boone County, but I'm not positive. Nobody, you know, I can't remember because Mm -hmm. I'll admit, I definitely feel like we navigate what it is that we need. So he was doing his homework, but there was a county or a list somewhere that said hypertension was a heart condition. So he put himself on that list but not, for example, on MU's list, which was following strictly the state definition. So, you know, it's interesting to see then counties and states making different choices. And once policy actors figure that out, once MSTA, for example, figured out that Kentucky's teachers were way ahead, they were making that point in Jefferson City, in the Capitol, to the unmasked and masked legislators who, you know, to say, hey, look, this is a priority. What can we do to to make changes? So you can push on the governor or you can push on the legislators to push on the governor because the legislature is probably not going to turn around something fast enough 
to, to make a difference. The the action really is happening um, at the executive level, and at the, which is the agencies and the governor. So, yeah, it's really interesting um, as things have unfolded. And we and and by interesting, I guarantee you, there's a listener out there going listening or saying, okay, interesting, frustrating, exhausting, confusing, you know, confusing. Right? Um, yeah, and that's where at least. For me, you know, I quickly get to the notion of privilege, the privilege of time that I have for break, mm-hmm. the privilege that I was able to afford to travel, um, and a lot of people have figured that out. So I know several people from my hometown of St. Louis that are coming over to Columbia to get theirs. Meanwhile, I went to the boot heel. Um, and so it's it's partially then on the ground a matter of, citizens choosing whether or not and how to get a vaccine. So it makes it really interesting. There's no, I mean, except for the tears, no one told me that I couldn't drive to Pemiscot County and get some good barbecue on the way uh, to get my vaccine, you know? So in any case, it's really interesting. So Jenny, I'm curious for you, because your job lately as a volunteer has been trying to make sense of all these things, because you also have private entities trying to implement public uh, policy along with public entities, and they're making their decisions. So I'm curious, but sort of like this. So I, I also, so folks know, she's on Facebook uh, and on this group, and she and a group of people work to help people figure out where and how to get appointments that work for them who have much more restrictions of time and health and all that, that sort of thing. And I have been dying to know, what all it is that you have to do to help navigate that and all of these differences in policy. So I just turned the question around. Question, (laughs) yeah. I mean, as you point out, um, certain sites will list certain things within that definition. For instance, you know, high risk is on there and COPD is stated. Um, But early on, we had a lot of people say, I have severe asthma, is this included? And at first with the state definition, you know, we weren't seeing that within, um, but then we started seeing asthma being listed in, in multiple county. And so as, you know, as a group, you make these decisions on once you see them repetitively, we're going to make the assumption that this is within that definition. We've sent multiple people to get vaccines with, you know, the credential of asthma being their high risk factor, and they were not turned away. And a lot of this has been experiential learning of, okay, if you're willing to take a chance and go try to get vaccinated, stating this as your high risk factor, if it works, we'll know for future people to be able to help send them there. And so things like ADHD falling under the um, intellectual and developmental disabilities, um, asthma falling under the high risk um, of COPD and and lung issues. And so it has been a learning process of seeing who will do what. And it makes it even the more complicated in understanding that we don't have just state vaccines coming in. We also have federal vaccines coming in. And so as the teachers were lobbying Jeff City, um, both their legislators and the governor, begging for eligibility that they deserved and got in so many states, um, the federal government stepped in there and said, okay, if your state doesn't allow you in your tiers and phases to get it, then we federal government allow you to. And that made another layer of confusion of where are the federal vaccine sites? Because we actually have 
both in the state. Not all the vaccines are coming from state-supplied sources. Some of them are coming from federal sources. And the federal sources are often the major chain. So CVS, Walgreens, um, Health Marts, which many people don't know what Health Marts are, but a lot of your local pharmacies are actually under a more um, chain of Health Mart pharmacy. So, um, for instance, there's a Sam's Pharmacy in, um, it's, it's not Sam's Club, but Sam's Pharmacy in um, Moberly that, you know, we have an internal joke, everybody gets vaccinated in Moberly. Federal vaccine sites will have, I won't say more liberty than the state, but they are not controlled by state restrictions. And so when Biden said teachers can get vaccinated, for instance, yesterday, CVS changed their form to say 16 plus, and they likely did it because many states now in the country have moved to um, full eligibility for anybody in the state. And um, they have actually changed it since this morning. So this is where it's a moving Mm -hmm. target. Right. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that this morning, too. Yeah. That <laughs> um, now they have eligible phases, but they don't define your eligible phases. And Walgreens does the same on their form. So we don't have a universal system. We don't have a universal tier or phase, and we don't have universal forms across location. We don't have universal um, information that's required from each individual. So for instance, we have heard, and you know, this is a lot of anecdotal, that if you go to Hy-Vee, you are required to show a photo identification. Well, that is a problem for some individuals. And so um, they are requiring it. They in this individual's recollection, they stated that um, they the um, they were informed that they don't get insurance reimbursement unless they check photo identification. And so we have found by, you know, anecdotal experience that Walmart is less restrictive. And, you know, through this pandemic, you know, Walmart was the very first place we found that would vaccinate teachers in the state of Missouri. And so we are tied up right now in that a lot of people are waiting to get the vaccine because they don't think that they're eligible um, because it's so confusing to identify or they're waiting for their phase to open. And for a long time, vaccines were at limited supply. So that was the scarce resource. Um, and then finding an appointment was really difficult. Uh, we use vaccinespotter.org. I think our listeners probably know, but if you haven't gone to vaccinespotter.org, um, it gives you in the current moment any federal vaccine site that's open. And there are thou- over a thousand state vaccine sites in our state that are getting state allocated doses, but these are just the federal doses coming in. And so you can see a map. And you can very much see where vaccines are coming to our state, or maybe they're being underutilized there. Um, and you mentioned that you drove to um, the boot heel. Mm-hmm. I am curious, how hard was it to find the vaccine you wanted? And we have requests, like sometimes people want Johnson & Johnson, and that has been a very coveted vaccine in that it's had we had early resources, and then we haven't had any in the state. I know on March 29th, 35,000 Johnson and Johnson's dropped across the state. We can't tell you where they dropped except by looking at each individual site to see who is listing Johnson and Johnson. So you found one. Tell us about that. How easy was it? 
I did. So uh, it was actually one of your Facebook groups. And now this is going to be fascinating because I was in the waiting room with people who had been vaccinated and they had come in from St. Louis because they, too, had a vaccine group on Facebook that they were following, Mm -hmm. much like the one that you have, because we've got two operating in mid-Missouri that we know of. Right. And so Mm -hmm. um, there were people from St. Louis there. And they were talking about they couldn't go to Forest, the, the one at Forest Park Community College because he had to be a city resident. And she was a county resident. So um, someone posted, hey, Pemiscot County says Johnson & Johnson or Moderna, um, you, you, can, you can book. And I thought, okay, it was, it was the week before spring break. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who were doing the sort of going in at the end of the day wait list, you know, around mid-Missouri. I chose not to do that because as as a professor, I have students are facing more challenges this school year. And I have found myself doing, you know, making connections to I mean, and and some of it's just stuff that would happen anyway. So, you know, major dental issues or, um, you know, I've got I'm tracking down grad students who are disappearing a little bit more often than I have ever seen, you know, and I need to make sure they're okay, but that person is working in a healthcare environment, you know, and so I chose myself to wait until I had time to figure all this stuff out, you know, I mean, honestly, it was, it was once I realized that there was something out there, and I've known Ginny for a while, so I know Ginny knows how to navigate policy systems, and I, knowing how to navigate policy systems, knew I didn't have the time to figure this out, <laughs> you know. And so I was <laughs> like, I, I'm going to wait till I have time where I can really go. Because I, I did, you know, I, I was aware that I, it was a choice I was making. I, I really didn't want to go here because I felt like others needed to stay closer to home. So I was, I was happy um, to, to be a part of opening up what I feel like is a spot um, and so it would be great then if I was going if, if I were to travel to then hopefully get to Johnson and Johnson. And so that's what happened. If you know, I just called and you know they gave me a one thirty appointment, uh, and I was excited about that. And then for a whole week I had that peace of mind that this was going to be something that was uh, going to be taken care of, and I could continue going. And I, since I teach U.S. public policy processes and strategies, that's the name of the course. Uh, I have three courses going of that, three sections going of that. And, you know, obviously, if you teach that class well, you're always adjusting to whatever's in the news. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, in between making sure students are really taken care of on a a much more individualized basis than I've ever felt like I needed to do, um, just given the nature of everything and, um, and, and coursework, you know, this this worked well for me. Now, this is also interesting. I had called and I said, hey, I've decided to, to you know, I'll be in Cape instead of all the way in Columbia. Is there anything sooner than 1.30? So I called I called on Monday for that. First of all, I called to say I'm, I'm driving from Columbia. I want to make sure I am driving for Johnson & Johnson and that it's written down. She said, it is written down at 1.30. I said, okay, well, I'm also driving to Cape. Is there anything earlier? Me thinking it's Southern Missouri, the community probably doesn't want that much, et cetera, et cetera. And she said, nope, we've got it all booked up. And I was delighted. I was delighted. I thought, Mm -hmm. this is great. The local community there is picking up, you know, that this is fantastic. They're they're getting vaccinated. This is is great. 
And when I got down there, I was in the waiting room with people from St. Louis. <laughs> so, so the truth is, that, you know, people are traveling, and uh, many people know people from St. Louis coming to Columbia for the spots. And I thought, did I just open up a spot for someone from St. Louis? Well, that's necessary too. I mean, I, you know, I don't know what I don't know what's happening here, but uh, you know, there were a couple of things that I built in along the way, and one was to stop by my father's grave in De Pere, which is a suburb of St. Louis, and put an Easter lily and spend a moment. Um, but on the on my way to do that, off of 40, I passed Mo Baptist, and a college friend's brother has been on a vent for three weeks, and they called. They were called in. I mean, because of COVID, and they were called in. Like, he was going to die probably 10, 14 days ago, and he has managed to make it. But I snapped a picture of that because, you know, in the midst mm-hmm. of this hope that you have of a vaccine and getting things taken care of and life returning to normal and actually sitting in traffic because people are out and, you know, that sort of thing, there's this moment of very seriousness. There are, you know, there is a friend of mine with a, a relative in his 40s maybe early 50s, not old, has children still not out of the house, you know, still raising kids on a vent right there. And, you know, so it's, it is, it's been strange to me, this, you know, this feeling of hope. And yet, frankly, that person is not the only person in dire straits. A colleague at the university, a brother died in, um, in Peru because there were no vents. He was very young. Uh, he took it, he turned on a dime. And so it, it's hard. And I, I talked to the nurse down there about this too. She's like, oh yeah, I mean, there's hope, but it's still serious. You know, I, I mean. still in the pandemic for yeah. sure. And you mentioned that you booked a week out. And so just a reminder to our listeners, as we talk about the confusingness of, of this phase, all Missourians will be eligible on April the 9th. And, and so when we think, okay, so April 9th, everybody's eligible. Well, remember that these sites book out a week. And so you can probably get an appointment for April the 9th. One, I know now some of the mass vaccination sites are um, scheduled out past April 9th and now saying that they're taking phase three people to register. I know I saw one yesterday in Springfield, Missouri. Um, but that means in four days, all of our Walmart sites, because they book out exactly a week out, will have April 9th eligibility. And so, you know, as we think, well, I'm not quite eligible yet, and you plan ahead, that puts you in four, in four days, pretty much everything will be open for all Missourians to book. Does that make sense? It did to me. And Good. the one thing I will encourage, I will encourage um, is, I was struggling with, um, because I know policy processes, because I know to look at definitions and I know where to call. I could call a county. I could call a private business, which I bet, you know, is going to be a little bit more open, potentially. I could call, you know, I could, I could do all of these things. I could self-advocate. I do believe that there's probably a group of people out there that isn't comfortable doing that for themselves. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say is this is what the the American – federalist system is built on. The reason it's confusing is this idea of local control and that we make decisions on the ground that are best for our communities and states make the best decisions they can for their states, you know, and the federal government has aspects of responsibility as well. And we try and create a system that's um, a whole, that, that effectively gets to everyone who needs it 
even if it's all chopped up in the process and it can be hard to follow. And when that happens, you do what I do, and that is follow a group like Ginny's or like the gals in St. Louis were following mm-hmm. on Facebook because they needed they needed Johnson & Johnson because of allergy issues. Um, yeah. and, and the and Facebook I, group for the St. Louis group, it's called St. Louis and Eastern Missouri COVID-19 Vaccine Information. They have 42,000 followers, and that is because St. Louis is really a vaccine desert, and getting an appointment within two hours from St. Louis is impossible. And so it's not surprising to me that to hear Angie, that you, you know, traveled to the boot heel so that somebody in St. Louis could only travel two hours instead of four. So, um, you know, it's a vaccine shift because of the fact, you know, people migrating to the vaccines rather than the vaccines coming to them. I did hear that Cori Bush secured 168,000 vaccines to come to the St. Louis area. That is still not near enough for the, you know, 1.1 people just in St. Louis County alone and the extra almost 400,000 in St. Louis city. So um, last minute thoughts, Angie, as we um, move to the next phase of this pandemic. Um, I, I don't, I, I, what I'm trying to tell people is don't be afraid to work the system because frankly, mm-hmm. remember the U.S. government is, is for the people, by the people, and it's not just government actors. If you're suspicious of government, of government, then you can think about, you know, going to the, the Walgreens of the world, the Walmarts and that sort of thing, because really the private actors have been forward thinking in COVID, requiring masks when governments weren't and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is for all of us. It's for all of us. It's for everyone. Everyone has an opportunity to have access, even if, even if communities don't want it. They're still considered people who are worthy and that's what really struck me down there is maybe there isn't a huge uptick um, and maybe there's frustration about that. But at the same time, the government thought these people are equally worthy of having a vaccine just because they don't want it doesn't mean that they shouldn't have access. It, w- it was just striking to me, you know, um, and so and I'm thankful that, though, that if it wasn't going to be, you know, if they're if they're not going to be used in the community, that others can have an opportunity to have those. Those were my final thoughts. Thank you so much for joining us today. Peter, back to you in the studio. Thank you, Jenny. And um, might I ask, is it is it Dr. Huell or, or Hull? Hull, H-U-L-L. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Hull, for joining us. And thank you, Jenny. It was a pleasure to speak with you once again. Um, thanks for joining us for Community Pulse. We sincerely appreciate our dear listeners here at your um volunteer uh, listener supported and volunteer operated community radio station was listening to that discussion quite intensely and if you happen to miss any part of that discussion as a reminder it is available right now on our website kopn.org kopn.org you can find it later on the day on facebook along with germane links to the day's discussion and the entire catalog is also available on apple and spotify podcasts Thanks once again for joining us, dear listener. We will be coming to you again, once again, live next Monday as we go into April from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Until then, the message from your friends and your neighbors here at your community radio station is please stay safe and stay informed, Columbia. Till then.